Hello? 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 Rethink. Rethink. Reimagine. Reimagine. Okay. Okay, America. Okay, America, let's rethink and reimagine the new normal as we go through the ever-changing new normal that seems to be the only experience we seem to be able to count on. Think about this. This isn't the first new normal. September 21st, 1893 is the first gasoline-powered American car was built and tested in Springfield, Massachusetts. Now think about that. 2000, the year 2000, the first hybrid electric and gasoline car was for sale in America. In July 10th, 2010, only 10 years ago, Tesla sold the first all-electric car in the U.S. And in 2021, next year, Volvo plans to be a 100% electric car production company. So post-World War II, in the 1940s, there was a great interest in the exploration of what was normal and what was healthy out of that normalcy. In the 1940s, the Kinsey Report was published Really, 1940 was the sexual behavior of the human male, the report that changed everything. In 1948, right after World War II, the sexual behavior of the human female, eight years later, I don't know what took them eight years to come up with that report, Masters and Johnson started their groundbreaking work 11 years after that a full decade and a year after that, 1957, and it went on through the 1990s. And here today in 2020, intimacy perhaps is seen as a more broadly defined topic. Goodtherapy.com defines that perhaps intimacy can be vital to maintain a healthy social life. If you avoid intimacy, you may find yourself isolated, unquote. But what if this social isolation actually comes first? What if and how do we define what's normal today? How do we create intimacy in a virtual world? What does it even mean to us? Mm. My co-hosts today are Juliette Lamar, my friend and cohort for many, many years. She's a TV personality, an actress, an artist, trying to solve the world's problems one micro step at a time. And Dr. B. Thomas, Air Force veteran, former federal police officer, college professor, and CEO of, yes, a cannabis company. Talk about the new normal. And our new friend, welcome to the dialogue, both of you. How are you guys doing? Hey, Phil. Thanks for having us always. <laughs> yep, this is Juliet Lamar. I'm happy to be here. Dr. B in the scene with the gangster lean. (laughs) (laughs) You know, this whole concept of what we've decided to do with this podcast about going beyond the new normal and trying to extract what will actually remain normal until another new normal comes. We thought we would talk about intimacy and you know, it's, it's crazy when you think about that it was only after World War II that the Kinsey Report came out and put the world on its head. And today we're talking about transgender rights and 
and what intimacy means in terms of the big global pandemic that we're in. And, and there's so many ways to take this. But for me, it, it, it's really about my relationship with me. And I'm really interested in what you all are thinking about. When we say intimacy in the virtual world, what do you think? Well, when I think about intimacy, the first thing I think about is connecting with people on a personal level, just being transparent, you know, and I feel like that's very important in this day and age to be transparent. And it's so challenging to do, especially in an online environment. So here we are online, right, Julia? Mm -hmm. You know, we're we're doing this virtually. You know, we can't go into a studio in Shock City Studios. Thank you for helping us with all of this. We're all in our own homes, right? Everybody listening to us is in their own homes, and we're trying to have an intimate conversation about intimacy. For me, intimacy is when your walls are down and you're getting lost in another person, right? And I think a key part of intimacy, at least for me, is also the nonverbal intimacy that you experience when you're physically with another person. Their, their little mannerisms, their tics, all of that, getting to know that and feeling it and absorbing it is part of the intimacy. So translating that to online is kind of possible, but there is this gaping hole of what they're doing and how you're participating in it and how you're perceiving it that I think is going to be a big stretch to try and fill. So Dr. B, as you have researched this for yourself and thought about it, let me give you four categories. Mm -hmm. Experiential intimacy, Mm -hmm. emotional intimacy, intellectual intimacy, and sexual intimacy. Because I think a lot of people, yeah, right. When people talk about intimacy, a lot of people think, well, you're talking about an intimate relationship and having sex with somebody and all of that. And, um, but I, I've tried to define it in these four categories. Which one of those resonates with you? You know, all of them resonate with me because I feel like when it comes to intimacy, because I am the type of person that's willing to be intimate in all of those categories. I think the first thing you need to define is what is your level of comfort? What is your level of intimacy that you're willing to develop? For some people, it might not be appropriate to develop other levels of intimacy. Maybe they're not willing to develop, you know, that sexual intimacy in a virtual world. Um, Maybe that might not be appropriate for them. So I feel like the first thing that you have to do is really to define your level of intimacy and not every level of intimacy is appropriate for each individual. So I think that's important to note. Julia, what are you thinking with regards for you? Because I know you have, you're married, you have, uh, you're married like four or five years now, right? Your parents have been married for 180 years, right? I mean, (laughs) you've seen these long-term intimate relationships, but for you, you have this bandwidth of social sort of intimacy with the world, right? Through the work you do and being an actress. Speak to that for us a bit. You know, it's very different from person to person, but for me, I'm incredibly intimate with everyone. I don't know, not sexually, but I, <laughs> I, I really, it's I mean, I heard, but, okay. <laughs> it's not what you heard. Well, you know, yeah, right. 
We'll see. Uh, we'll flush it out later. Uh, but I'm, you know, I'm a big advocate of like, you know, kiss your friends' faces, hug them, touch them. Um, I'm a very physical person. So even with my friends, I feel like I have a flirtatious nature, even if I'm not interested in them sexually. And I, I strive for intimacy. I think mm-hmm. that some of my first inklings when I meet someone is I want to get to know them, their intricacies, their, like I said, their little tics, their mannerisms, what makes them work because I'm naturally open to intimacy. And so I wish to reciprocate and receive that even from friendships that I just, just create. And some people are very put off by that, but I think most people find it really different. And I think it helps them open up. I want to be that person that they can feel safe and intimate with on a, on a friendship level. So in the new normal, right, where handshakes aren't permissible, you're not allowed to hug. Linda and I last night went to a social distancing happy hour with another couple where we went to their house. We brought our own stuff. We're 10 feet apart, you know, we're sitting and we couldn't hug them. Hello. We've known them for many, many years. We love them very much. We couldn't hug them goodbye. Right. And we had this conversation about what will be, you know, moving forward, will it be permissible to shake hands? That's been a normal sort of, you know, I come in peace kind of thing, right? Or the the bro hug or whatever that guys do when they, they meet or whatever. So how will you relate that, the intention of what you just said? How will both of you do that, manifest that kind of intimacy under the new set of rules? Well, first of all, Phil, I think that we're going to be able to return to shaking hands and hugging and all of that eventually. I don't feel like, you know, (laughs) that's the end of that. I think that's one thing. I mean, we're going through what we're going through now, but it's temporary. So it's about how do we cope with what we're currently experiencing, but then also realizing that there's a brighter day ahead, you know. I think we have to be positive too. I think that helps knowing that there's a light, you know, at the end of the tunnel, knowing that we will be able to return to some sort of norm. How do you hug somebody on a screen? How do you do this now, right? I I don't disagree with you, although I don't think it's going to be what it used to be. I think there are going to be some just cultural new norms where, um, We are more cognizant of how we touch, what we touch. Uh, We were talking about hotel rooms and, you know, not the cheesy stuff, not like, you know, oh my God, what's going on in the bed before me and all of that. But just think about the remote control Mm -hmm. and how many times somebody had touched that before you, you know, at three o'clock got to enter the room in the past. So right now we're all on screens. Mm And it's so great seeing both of you. You both look amazing. And and I was so excited about our recording today. But how do we do that? How do we hug one another? How do we touch one another? How do we create intimacy in a virtual world? Or does it actually even matter to you? Um, What I've done, because I've had a lot of these Zoom calls, and it can feel very much like just another streaming of programming in my life. Like it's I'm just turning on my computer and I'm watching my friends on screen while I'm watching myself, which is very weird. Um, 
so personally, what's worked for me is I'm a part of this book club, right? With these women that I'm very intimate and close with as friends, but we can't see each other. So we will send, send things to each other's house. So like someone will send cookies to everyone in the book club and we won't eat them until we have a book club meeting. So we're creating these little shared experiences. We're all reading the same book. Mm-hmm. Now we're eating the same cookies. We're going to mm-hmm. have a brunch where it's like, okay, we've decided we're all going to try and make this one drink. So although it's very contrived, we are trying to create shared experiences, which I think is a is an integral part of intimacy, is, is really going through shared experiences together. So that's what I've been doing. It's not physical, but it, it has felt different mm-hmm. than simply tuning in and asking someone about their day in their isolated world. Yeah, same. You know, I feel like we've all had to make do. We've had to, (laughs) you know, really figure out this situation fast. Of course, we were in a virtual world before, you know, but now it's like, it's extreme, it seems, you know, Zoom. There wasn't as many people on Zoom as there is now. And now all of a sudden, Zoom has completely expanded and a lot of people are taking advantage of this platform. So this is really cool in a way because I see that there's going to be opportunities for new businesses, maybe that create virtual type of online meeting spaces. So I kind of look at the positive aspect of these things. We're able to be creative and and that's awesome to me. I attended a oh, Passover uh, ceremony online and we had the feast and everything. And I've been taking my Spanish lessons online, you know, but some of these relationships I had with people, like the people that I'm meeting with online, I had the relationships with them prior to this whole experience. So there's people that there's new people that are online. And then there's people that all of a sudden your relationships are being carried online and they weren't online before. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Have you met anyone new online? Because I had a weird experience where I was invited to a happy hour and I went and I only knew two people in this happy hour. It was like 12 people was the rest of the people. I was there for about five minutes, realized that these were not my people. And I just clicked off. I was like, end meeting for me. Um, (laughs) I was like, bye. But I would probably not do that in real life, not because I would fake it through the conversation. I would just be at a party, realize they were different. I would then be curious. And then I would attempt to like talk to people and get to know them. And I would actually probably form friendships because that's how it typically goes for me. But when it's such, like I keep going back to stream of programming, when it's just another program I'm tuning into, I just change the channel. I'm like, okay, I don't like this. I'm going to go check out something else. The psychology of that, though, which I really, really love, I, I, I love everything we're saying, and, and is there is an opportunity to use this technology to be much more mindful of what it takes to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and where we're willing to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And if we're not willing to be vulnerable, maybe perhaps it gives us some courage for the skill set that we could then re-enter when we re-enter into being able to be in front of each other, how we use language. I find myself sharing myself with others differently. Mm -hmm. And instead of being able to hug you to say, I really think you look wonderful today. And the use of language and the use of complimenting as a way, you know, Tinder and and the other dating apps had, you know, they were really out of business. 
And what they've found is that they can create a virtual first date and they're, they're coming up with new products and new business ways for people to connect. So think about that. Think about that if you actually meet somebody that you were going to meet on a Tinder date, which is, you know, that is maybe a whole nother show, but the old way of meeting and dating versus when I was young, you know, when you didn't have technology, right? And what, how you met people and how you dated to, you know, the ability to see somebody, see everything about them and then meet up with them. And, and now we have to then put these boundaries back in and you're actually going to meet people through this technology before you ever meet them live and in person. Yeah, that could be scary because, you know, you really need to know who you're meeting. So that brings up a question of uh, safety. I think it's important to be really safe in a virtual world. I think that helps to create intimacy by knowing who you're talking to. You can't be intimate with someone that you don't no. <laughs> so I think it's important to get to know the person and really do your homework because, you know, online, you could be anyone. Anyone could pretend to be anyone. But you could block them once you find out. You can. But think about when people were like meeting up for coffee on that first date. Right. And then you go there and realize um, that the person in front of you was not the picture. The picture was <laughs> 25 years younger right? Or, you know, six feet taller or whatever it was. Um, When I met Linda, I met Linda online through J-Date when J-Date was first just coming out and, you know, and we talked on online or on cell phone for six weeks before we ever met each other or saw each other because neither one of us had a picture, which would be unheard of today. But if we met this way today, it would be so scary for me mm-hmm. because she's beautiful and I would see her and then it'd be like, how do I stay authentic and how do I stay, you know, myself? And because part of that intimacy is being real. Mm-hmm. And part of being online is you don't have to be real. Absolutely. Did you find it then that you got to, when you and Linda were ch- chatting on the phone when you were first mm-hmm. met before you saw each other, was it fast-tracked for you? Were you both just like, I'm going to tell you all my hopes and dreams, exactly what I want right off the bat? Well, I, I don't think it was as much of an interview um, as, many, <laughs> as many other dates I had back then because, uh, you know, when you're a middle-aged guy and you're halfway successful, people are looking and communicating about, kids and tuition Mm -hmm. and insurance policies, which just kind of drove me crazy. But what we found was we were 16 again. We were Mm -hmm. on the phone till two in the morning and I was working all day. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, yeah, exactly. And, and so what I loved about that was kind of falling in love with that person before you actually physically touch them or put all those other sort of criteria involved in this. And I think this is the opportunity in the virtual world is it doesn't have to necessarily be fake to be virtual, Mm -hmm. right? It can be a tool that you use. Absolutely. I agree with that. You know, I, I think that there's levels to intimacy. And when you describe your relationship, it's like you, you had levels to intimacy where you were comfortable 
just like when I met Matt. I met Matt online. And um, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> okay, so because I'm former federal cop, you know, I, I automatically, I have my... Um, <laughs> my guards up because you just don't know who you're meeting. So I, I actually did a federal background check on that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I love this. Talk about intimate. She didn't just stalk his Facebook. She was like, we're getting real. <laughs> Dang. I told him look, he wanted me to meet him in California. I'm in Wisconsin. I don't know. I can come to California mm. and I may not make it back home. Exactly. So, I, so I'm like, <laughs> I need your plate number. I have my phone track, but I just, no. So there's Phil, Juliet, for me, there's levels of intimacy. <laughs> and, and so you get off the plane, uh, obviously he, he passed the background check. He did. You get off the plane, right. And you meet him and the connection between everything you did virtually, whether it was cell phone or online or whatever any of us are doing. And then when we finally, like when lockdown is over and you meet those people, right? When it all, so, yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're talking Armageddon, right? I mean, we're just talking the explosion of the world. So how was that? Like, oh, how was it? Yeah. Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. You know, I feel like there was a buildup because we're online. We, we started our relationship online. It started with just chatting. Then I developed enough trust to give him my number. Then we started text communicating. Then he said, can I call you on the phone? <laughs> then I said, <laughs> okay, I can listen to your voice. It was like steps. And then all of a sudden there were plane tickets and then there was a background check and then I met him <laughs> and then it was, it was perfect. But yeah, it's like, I feel like people have to do what they're comfortable with doing. That's why, I, you know, there's levels to intimacy and, and, and not every level is appropriate for you, but yeah, um, it's important to know where your comfort level is. Juliet, you haven't shared how you met your husband. <laughs> oh, I met my What's husband in college. Fair? On Tinder? What's fair is fair. No, we didn't even have dating apps when I met Dan. I met Dan 13 years ago, a uh, college freshman. And I remember my my friends were looking for, for marijuana and I didn't know what it was. I just knew you had to smoke it. So <laughs> I was like, I'm going to help you because I'm that friend that's like, you've got a problem, I'm going to solve it. And so I was on a mission to like help them find drugs. And we were walking around. How romantic. And, how romantic. Yeah. Um, and, and I saw this like room that had smoke, like pouring out the bottom of it. And I was like, that's the place. <laughs> Let's go in there. <laughs> so I dragged me and my friend, Ashley Pence, who's uh, one of my dearest friends still today. She and I go in there and it happens to be a fog machine. It's not, it's not marijuana smoke. It's a fog machine. And there's this man that's DJing in total darkness with black lights and a fog machine. And no one else is in there. He's all by himself. And uh, my friend Ashley's like, well, this is a bust. Like, there's no weed here. So she leaves. And I'm like, huh, who's, who plays music to, a, to an empty room? Like, who is this person? So, of course, I went up and talked to him. And we ended up talking till 6 a.m. Wow. A week later, he asked me out. And so he was practicing for the coronavirus? I mean, you know, he was He was ready. Ready. Yeah, he, he, playing he was his ready music. For it. <laughs> well, he was very passionate about music and, uh, and being a DJ at the time. And he was just practicing. 
but That's he likes awesome. to pra- he wanted to practice with like he had a bunch of lights and so he was kind of practicing with all his equipment with the fog machine and all that and apparently he says there are people there earlier sure <laughs> right, right. Um, but yeah then we talked till 2 a.m and it was you know it was weird because the very first night i met him we were at his, at his dorm room talking and just this little voice in my head said this person's important to you like out of nowhere we're talking about like our classes that we're going to take next semester and it was a loud loud voice that was like this person's important to you and i was mm. like whoa calm down now <laughs> <laughs> the voice of intimacy the voice right. of intimacy. Yeah, I didn't even, and I didn't even hug him. I'm, I'm a hugger. I'm a lover. I, I hug strangers constantly. I did not hug him. When I left, I was like, "Have a good night, bye." And I like ran to my dorm room. And he still <laughs> holds that against me today. He's like, "You hug everyone, and you didn't hug me the first time I met you." Yeah, but I married you. I mean, come on, Dan. Right? right. I mean, exactly. Enough is enough. Jesus Christ. Exactly. But we moved fast. A week later, we a week later we got together. So it, it happened really fast. That's awesome. Let's take a quick commercial break from Kavana Health, and then we'll come back and we will talk a little bit more about intimacy and the virtual reality in the world we live in today. We'll be right back. In a world that's ever-changing and a future ever-uncertain, more than ever, we're looking for ways to better our life better our day, and redefine what it means to feel well. We at Kavana Health, an Oklahoma-based, GMP and kosher certified manufacturer of hemp-derived ingredients and finished products, have had a core mission. All of us and each of us must redefine what it means to live well. Whether it's our tinctures, topical, or pet products, Kavana Health remains committed to the highest standards of production and packaging with the highest quality industrial hemp and a state-of-the-art extraction lab. Come shop with us at www.kavanahealth.com or say hello on Facebook and Instagram at kavana.health. We are Kavana Health redefining wellness. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, America, we are talking about intimacy in the virtual world. What does it even mean to us? Dr. B, what are your thoughts about this in terms of the social context? People are now having these virtual happy hours and virtual couple dates, right? It's not just intimacy between two people in a romantic sense. What do you think the norms around that are going to be moving forward? And what are your thoughts about, are you guys doing that? Are you and your husband having these virtual couples things with other people? Hell no. (laughs) (laughs) Hell no. (laughs) I wasn't into the whole like couple, like dating thing prior to Uh this. Right. And I'm still not. I'm not, (laughs) I'm just not, I've never been that type of person, but if I was like that type of person offline to do the whole, Hey, we're a couple, we're going to meet together with another couple then I would, whatever I was interested in, in the real world, I'm interested in the virtual world. So it's not like my interests have changed, you know? Yeah, well said. I think that's great. What about for you, Juliet? Are you guys uh, meeting up with people? Are you having a girl night with your friends online, all that kind of thing? 
The only thing that I'm doing uh, habitually is is meeting up like professional meetups, um, talking about career stuff, career moves, and then the book club, which is something I'm actually looking forward to. I didn't think I'd enjoy a virtual meetup because I am such a physical person. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I have really enjoyed our little girl meetup. And that's something that we did before, though. We would have brunch like three or four times a month with the same group of girls. So it's, it's really just transferred online. But I have a quick question for both of you. Um, do you think... A, if love, love languages are really at play here. So if you are someone who values like quality time and conversation mm-hmm. over say physical touch, is a love language at play here? Cause I know I, I think love languages are for friendships and for, for your intimate partner. Sure. Yeah. That's a good question. It's a great question. So for me on that, I, what I struggle about much of the world is when we box ourselves into categories I think we all have natural love languages and you have to know what they are, but you also have to pivot, right? You have to understand that the usual way of getting results from the intention of what you need has to, you have to be flexible about that, right? So an example of that, and this is intimate, but I remember working with a couple where um, something went wrong in the the gentleman's, um, the husband's prostate surgery, and he was mm-hmm. never going to have an erection again, right? Oh, it's devastating. And so part of their love language was they were highly sexual people together. Mm-hmm. And so what we really worked on was the intention of pleasuring each other in ways that didn't look like it used to look, but still created the love between them and the expression of that, that experiential meets sexual intimacy. That was a really powerful experience as a, as a healthcare provider and a, a therapist and a, a coach at the time to not only have the courage to push that, because as a man, it's like, you're not going to have an erection anymore. You're not going to have that. That's how we're programmed and what we intend often aren't the same. That's why I led today with some of those dates and those experiences. You know, when we all get out of the house and we get on our horse and we go travel to the post office, right? Because there's nothing in our brain that says there's an automobile that is without an animal connected to it, right? And then 10 years later, right? Horses are for work on the farm and everybody is traveling in a vehicle. Just think of the pivot of accommodation between what we think is usual and then how we find our way through that too. I remember being so scared of, of cell phones. So it's a long answer to a, to your short question, but I, I think it's a power. <laughs> I do think it's a powerful question mm-hmm. in that it's, it, to me, it's not what my love language is. It's how do I know I'm satisfied that my language is being heard. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Being heard is a big deep. part of it all. Yeah. Deep. Of course, <laughs> Phil takes us deep. I, I, I don't know what to tell you with that, but um, <laughs> intention is everything. I mean, you know, I, I look at this kind of stuff and I could go on and on and often do, but, you know, my weekly Monday, 5 p.m. Uh, Central Time hang out with my two guy friends led to me having the courage to come back to radio and which are now podcasts. Right. Mm -hmm. It's cool. But from that intimacy came creativity. 
Mm-hmm. When you you have to know your love language, but you have to know how you're being heard, I and I and I think that's really big, you know. And mm-hmm. and so so, Doctor B, what's your love language? Well, my love language is um, how can you help me? Can you make my life easier by doing something? Can you do something? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and it's called uh, acts of service, right? Absolutely. Acts of service. Mm -hmm. How can you help me? How can you make my life easier? Because that really means something to me, even if it's making my coffee, maybe, or, or making sure that I have a pen on the table. Anything that makes my life easier to me is really like, I, I love that. And so I don't really feel that my love language has been affected because of what's currently going on. And that's awesome. I feel like I've expanded because of what's going on. Just like this relationship that we're now forming. I mean, if we if this if we hadn't been in this situation, then we wouldn't be here. So right. this is a a beautiful opportunity. Like it depends on your perspective, but I think you have to be willing again, you have to be willing to make meaningful connections. And that's what intimacy means to me, virtual intimacy. And because I was willing to make intimate connections, that's why I'm here, you know? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So as we wrap up, uh, Julia, give us a Mm. takeaway for our listeners, something that they can try that you believe in, um, that they can hold on to the next time we, they hear from us. I think that that uh, being able to have something tangible that you can share together. So like I said, it was incredible last book club when someone baked cookies, she sent them to all of us and then we all sat and ate the cookies together. And it was so silly, but it was that shared experience, like that physical shared experience. We all had the same cookie. Um, I've been writing letters to people and just knowing that they touched the same thing I touched and which is which is what we're not doing right now with coronavirus, right? right? But having something that I know that we both have interacted with, to me, just really made that connection stronger. So maybe do that on your next Zoom. Send them something. Yeah. I, I think that's great. <laughs> Dr. B, for you, a takeaway. Okay. Well, I wrote down a few things because um, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> it's all old, in your head. It's all in your head. If you're old, I'm ancient. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Phil, you might be ancient. I'm old. (laughs) Yeah. You guys, I'm eternal. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. And Julia is eternal. Okay. No question. Okay. So I just turned, I turned 40 during this whole (gasps) situation. Happy birthday. Thank you. Um, So actionable items for me, I would say, I have a few of them. I would say explore any fears that you may have surrounding intimacy. I think that's the first thing you need to do. I think healing these fears may open the door for more intimate connections. So a lot of people have fears about intimacy. Another thing I would say is be patient and and allow virtual relationships online to grow and develop. So just like there's certain things you wouldn't do on the first date, there's certain things that you wouldn't do when you're getting to know a person online. It's all about etiquette. And again, knowing what's appropriate. And then get to know the person that you're connecting with. I really, that's huge. Uh, The more you develop trust, the more intimate your connection will be. And this advice is for platonic and non-platonic relationships. And then of course, do your research beforehand and be safe. Don't take the word of someone that you don't know. Always know who you're talking to online. Again, safety is key. Ask for reference 
if applicable. And then be consistent. If you want to create meaningful virtual relationships, I think you have to be present and you have to be committed to the process. It can be done. Wow. Wow. And if you need a federal background check, <laughs> Dr. B. Thomas at uh, Dr. B. Speaks. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Let me uh, wrap this up with you guys and share just a little bit of my thoughts as we say goodbye. You know, intimacy, we don't really ever know what's normal, what's new, what will be normal in the future. Each one of us has to make a definition for ourselves. We have to learn how to be vulnerable with ourselves and for ourselves. We have to rethink what intimacy can be for us and have the courage to use these tools we have in front of us so we're not isolated, we're not alone. We're not looking at the world as half empty. We're also not necessarily looking at the world as half full. We're looking at this is the world we have. And so the question is, what are the standards by which we are willing to experience the life that we have? And we want you to reimagine your life with that courage to get close, to share transparently, and to use your virtual world as that portal that opens up an opportunity and not an excuse to hide. I want to thank our sponsors, Kavana Health, who are redefining wellness. Go check them out at kavanahealth.com. And my co-host, Juliette Lamar. You can check her out on Instagram, at Juliette Lamar. Dr. B. Thomas, at B underscore Thomas 53. And to Studio Sam, who's on the other side of the board with Shock City Studios in St. Louis, Missouri. And to all of you, check us out at okamerica.us and all your usual podcasts and social media platforms. Okay, America, we need you to rethink and reimagine. Have a great day.